You check out this oh, yeah. uh, lemon peel, by the way. You like that? Look at that. That's one of my That's ones. flawless. Thank you, man. I just, I'm just i just trying to finish up this Dude. Manhattan here. Dude, you're going to get a kick out of this. So uh, on <laughs> Saturday, stopped by the liquor store. It's a liquor store cigar shop on the way home. I walked yeah. past a bottle of Lagavulin on sale for 90 bucks. First of all, how do you not buy Log 16 for 90 bucks? Like, how do you see yeah. that and not buy it? Well, it's like, it's like it'd know? be like if I, if I found, um, if, if I was out and I found a bottle of, uh, of Bowmore 25 for less than 200, I'd be like, oh yeah, my buy God, that. dude, yeah. Or like, dude, if you go um, to a bar and they're selling shots of Lagavulin 16 for $8, what are you drinking that night? Did I know? Like, <laughs> too much? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Doubles? Did you know that over $5 trillion exchanges hands on a daily basis? That's an average of over $220 billion an hour. Now how does this much money move every single day and why does it move the way it does? Here on Drunkonomics, two bartenders who also happen to be students at the University of Nebraska Graduate School of Business are going to sit down and drink to the global economy and try and translate it into English. So sit back, relax, pour yourself a stiff one, and have a drink with us to the comedy that is the global economy. All right, and welcome back to Drunkonomics, the drinking podcast with the economics problem. <sighs> Thankfully, with better news this week or with a better week going on so far. Yep. First off, I think Aaron and I would like to apologize for last week. We'd be a day late. Yeah. Thankfully, not a dollar short. Um, <laughs> I think we're a dollar long, actually. It was a tough subject, actually. so yeah. So editing was... Tough to edit. Also, I had to go see Guns yeah. N' Roses. You know, so not a great because excuse, of course. but uh, yeah, not a great excuse. But uh, Guns N' Roses and Alice in Chains were great, so yeah. And, and, he, that, and, but... and Aaron didn't even get to go watch at the uh, at the baseball did, diamond because it, exactly. because the Diamondbacks were doing bad things to my Dodgers. So uh, <laughs> sorry about it, dude. Sorry. Oh, well, yeah. <laughs> if, I, if I had to have any team eliminated in the playoffs this week, that was the team I would have picked from the three there, the two that are playing. Okay, well, that's, that's um, very nice of you to say. Uh, but uh, yeah. yeah, so sorry about uh, being a little late last week. We promise that this week won't, uh, that won't be the case. Anyways, so happy you're with us. So but happy. Just really fast to remind you guys, I'm your less gracious host, James Goldwater, yeah. across from me, my favorite <laughs> drinking buddy and, and budget booze buyer, Mr. Aaron Wong. <laughs> Cheers, man. Appreciate you. Appreciate you for that lovely intro. The VIX is at 1721, in case you're wondering. I know we like to give weekly VIX updates to kind of tell you who is more or less gracious. And in this case, because it's still under that 23-point threshold, you know. Yeah, Aaron, Aaron gets to sit pretty. Yeah, with my um, Manhattan in my hand that I've made with this budget booze, you know. So thank you. Thank well, you for that one yeah. lovely intro, James. Yeah, well, I try. Yeah. Really fast before we get into the meat of anything we talk about, uh, just for really sure. quickly, this is not financial advice, guys. Um, these are our opinions based on publicly available information. These are not. These do not reflect the opinions of our employers. If it mm-hmm. does reflect the opinions of our employers, it is purely coincidental. This is not a communication from them in any way, shape, or form. Yeah. So that's just exactly. a quick heads up. Yeah. Um, and if you want to see, you know, any so if, so anything we cite, you know, we would like to do a work cited too. If you have any questions about. Some of the things we're pulling from, you know, a lot of it's CNBC stuff, a lot of it's Bloomberg stuff, but we'd be more than happy to share articles or videos or news clips or something like that with you. If you want to know how to get a hold of us, you can always find us at Drunkonomical, that's D-R-U-N-K-E-N-O-M-I-C-A-L, us on Twitter. Like, freak, God dang it. What did I do? Uh, Twitter? X? No, it's Whatever. Twitter. I'm just going to call it Twitter until they make us pay, and then it's, we're not going to be on it anymore. Yeah, what, what are they going to um, do? Sue us for mis- <laughs> misbranding Twitter as 
or misbranding X as Twitter. Gosh, what a sin. Well, someone's um, already done that, but the other way. Um, <laughs> also in the metaverse, LinkedIn, although that might be Drunkenomics, D-R-U-N-K-E-N-O-M-I-C-S. Yeah, but and it's then, Instagram, Instagram, Facebook, and threads. It's, it's at Drunkenomical. LinkedIn, I believe, is at Drunkenomics. Um, so yeah, really appreciate you joining the conversation yep. there. From there, you can also... Find the invite um, to the Discord and then jump on in. Tell me I'm doing a job. Um, <laughs> just kidding, Chris. You didn't say I was doing a job. You just... Chris, you're the man, dude. Really frankly, love you were right. Yeah. I really, really love really love the kind words from you, man. I, I really appreciate yeah. you drinking along with us. Just that like awesome. all of you. Uh, really appreciate all of you for drinking along with us, too. But uh, yeah, with that, Vix uh, certainly got clobbered today. Um, normally, people like to look at that as a good thing. Uh, VIX, as, as well known as the fear index, yep. uh, basically if the VIX goes up, it usually means markets go down. It's very rare that the VIX goes up and the markets go up, but that does happen occasionally, especially if option volumes are, are going off the charts too. So markets ripped today. Last week it was it was kind of a it was it was kind of a very a lot, of, a lot of downer, a lot of downer news. Yeah, a lot, lot of lot of not not so good news. Um, you know, between uh, Israel and then of course uh, CPI came in hot, which we'll talk a little bit more about later, but. This week, what kicked off this VIX movement, and you know, if you saw the market today, the market's rich for a little bit. Uh, yeah, they did this morning. Yeah, didn't close as well, but still, like solid day for the markets overall. I think a lot of that just has to do with earnings, man. This is the this is it, dude. This is the Q4, or yeah, I mean it's October, so if there's another earnings cycle before the end of the year, that'd be weird. Uh, but yeah, Q4. Yeah, this is it. This is this is it for the year. Yeah. Um, for these guys, we're going to hear from them again in January um, about Q4. So this is really kind of their Q3 report. Yeah, Q3 report. Um, Pretty solid start, though. I mean, uh, t- today was the was the main kickoff day. I mean, it, nothing, nothing like not very many companies came out today, but you know, financials always kind of lead the way with earnings reports. We talked about this before. Uh, so tomorrow we have Goldman, uh, Bank of America. Today we're recording on October 16th. So just an idea. I think yeah, earnings seem strong. Yeah. Um, well, the, fi- the financials are definitely going to look stronger than than historically that they have for the last few years and the big reason is that interest rates exist and um <laughs> good there are high interest rates like they're higher interest rates than people have been used to right these are the highest they've been in 20 plus years so yeah your financial institutions they love that like the funny thing is like a lot of people are like oh banks own insurance companies and the and my answer is that is actually not really in most cases insurance companies own banks yeah and that's just because if you look at so one of the projects i did while i was at nebraska is i was given raw data and I broke down the financial sector of the economy. And then I got inside mm-hmm. of that and I realized 70 something percent of this is insurance. It's not, <laughs> it's not the banks. It's yeah. like by volume, like not, not like trade volume, but like the dollar amounts. It's, it's almost all insurance, life insurance, property insurance. I'll talk about like the AUM, like the AUM. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. The vast majority of the money is, is, is from the pool of the AUM. It's from an insurance. Yeah. 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 That's, that's, yeah. That's pretty fascinating. I actually didn't know that. So uh, it's good to hear. Also, what really helps too with these banks is how active these, re, uh, like these overnight lending facilities are. I mean, these, and now they're able to charge a pretty significant interest rate now too. I'm not surprised that, uh, that well, that more players are entering the game. That, yeah. I'm just yeah. not surprised that earnings could be strong this week. And on top of that, I don't know if banks are treated fairly because of the, uh, because of the banking crisis, I'm not saying they're treated unfairly, but like I don't know if the markets treated the banks fairly. You know, just from a valuation perspective, if you look at financials, and really, this is not financial advice. I don't necessarily think that banks are undervalued by any stretch of the imagination. But if you just look at financials as like the trading multiple, the price to earnings for financials across other sectors, you know, 
financials are are pretty attractive, but granted, they they always are. Like the yeah, like no no bank well, is going to trade at like at you know forty five times four PEs. You know, unless it's a brand new bank. You know, yeah, and and you're absolutely right on that. Um, a lot of these guys are established. To be fair, there's also still I have to imagine there is a certain amount of residual fear yes. of being an investor in a bank. You should never be afraid to be a, um, Deposit, a depositor yeah. in an FDIC insured bank. That money is that money up to the FDIC limit at the very least is safe. Well, it's backed um, by the government. It's backed by the federal government, but the federal government sometimes, as we all know, this year has been very low on cash. So, well, um, that's true. Well, it's actually it's it's backed by the FDIC, Federal Depository Insurance Corporation, which is also low on slightly cash. Slightly different, but but yeah, basically backed by the U.S. government. What it really boils down to for me is. If the FDIC allows a um, a depositor to or allows depositors to be hurt and actually damaged, we have much bigger problems. Yes. Than, yes, that, that than the bank be... that has just failed because every other bank is about to. Yes, um, exactly. So if the bank, yeah, if the banking system can't be trusted, that's that's not good for our you know our broader economy. But I, I mean, yeah. like, I, I don't want to get into that speculation. I, I just, you know, it's a, no, that's a, that's an if that's, yeah. that's just a, I love how, I do love how we get into these rabbit holes though. You know, we start talking about bank earnings and how they kick off the earnings season. We have tech next week. And then of course, the week yep. after that, Apple comes out, which is the behemoth. If you paid attention to the markets this year, the markets have ripped. You're up like 20% if, if you just bought the broader yeah. S&P 500. And it's all because of the seven big names that come out with earnings next week and Apple the week after. Yeah. So, so. It's, it's, well, we've had down weeks, and I think that makes sense. Yeah. Markets actually go down. Um, they have to. Yeah. They have yeah. to be allowed to go down. Otherwise, it's a Ponzi scheme. Well, like, otherwise, listen, it's a it's a. It's listen, man, I want buying opportunities, man. So it needs to go down. Like I said, at some point, like I said, yeah. Yeah. it has to go down. Otherwise, it's a Ponzi scheme. At some point, someone needs to actually be cashing out, or it doesn't yeah. make sense. Um, yeah. yeah, no, it should be an exciting week on the financials front. I'm I'm actually uh, between that and between some of the energy sector companies, some of the energy companies that are coming through. I'm, I'm actually kind oh, yeah. of excited to see where earnings are at. Oh yeah, and uh, speaking of energy, I mean like. I think one of the big key like news events that came out last week was CPI. CPI came out on Thursday, month over on, month. Uh, did you get the yearly figure on that? I don't know what the yearly figure is, but I know month uh, over yearly on, was three point seven. Yeah, so a little higher than what, what was the month before three point four. I think was what it was. I think so. And then yeah, so um, so yeah, we saw that month over month we saw a four tenth of a percent yep. increase in CPI for September. Yeah, and then um, three point seven percent over last twelve years. Uh, 12 years, no, last 12 months. Um, yeah, 12 months. There it is. Yeah, I see it now. Um, yeah, if you look at the, the, I have the BLS report. So do release. I. <laughs> nice. Awesome. Yeah, yeah. If you ever look at these BLS documents, they're very messy. But on the second page of this thing, it talks about like where inflation is and, and where it has been, you know, over the last like six months or whatever it is. So here we're seeing September, most of inflation, most of what drove CPI up four tenths of a percent month over month and 3.7% over the last 12 months. Most of that came from energy. You know, if you look at yeah. pretty much everything across the board, it's pretty much flat to negative or unchanged. It's pretty low. Like it's a negligible change in price month over month. But if you look at energy, it's like 2%, 2%, 8% higher, you know, like, right? Yeah. Like, is that what you're seeing? Right. So yeah, between energy, gas, gas fuel, yeah, oil, so gas, 2% um, higher, energy commodities, 2% higher, fuel, yeah. Is eight percent, eight and a half percent higher, right? Yep. So, you know, yeah, no, so it, it, we're we're seeing where it is. Um, that's that's response to OPEC 
Yeah, I was um, going to say thanks, OPEC. Capping or slowing production. It's a it's a response to the fact that Russian oil and natural gas aren't really available. Actually, to be fair, yep. um, natural gas um, or utility gas actually was down, which is a yeah. good sign. Or it's not necessarily a good sign, but it's it's an indicator that there's enough natural gas to go around. Yeah. But yeah, no, um, oil and fuel oil being up. You know, that's not to be unexpected given the supply shrinking. It's yeah. also, at least to me, it might be indicative of increasing economic output. Uh, more stuff's being transported, more stuff is being produced, yeah. more things are being consumed. And so that's not inherently a, well, it, it, it hurts if you're buying it, but it doesn't necessarily, it's not necessarily a bad thing for the broader context of the economy. Yeah. Well, let me ask you this. So like how much of the CPI, because like if, if you think about a 3.7%, like it's not, it's not, it's really not a bad print. No, we're obviously, you know, yeah. I mean, like, obviously, if you look at the treasury markets last, last week, they kind of freaked out over the fact that it is higher than the last print. So they're kind of like the treasury markets are freaking out thinking like, oh, the Fed might actually raise rates and we're going to get crushed, you know, or the bond markets in general. They're kind of like, oh, like CPI came in so hot, like, wow, the Fed might raise rates in November. And if you look at the December, um, the December forecast, at least last week on Thursday when I looked at it, it was actually a pretty decent chance that the Fed does. I can't remember what the figure was, but pretty decent chance that the Fed does actually raise rates. Yeah, I. But yeah, I, I saw your I saw your note. It's not it's not an insubstantial percentage that think that they will raise rates. I don't think they will. Um, I think they're going to hold and see what happens. Yeah, especially with turmoil in the Middle East. That you never for sure. Like, yeah, like one one subject I didn't we didn't get to talk about last week because it, it, it didn't seem inherently appropriate is that yeah. Israel and Saudi Arabia are, ac- are actually very close to signing, to normalizing relations, like normalizing yeah. De- uh, oh, yeah, diplomatic they, relations. They had a ceasefire. Did and, they, they, they sign a ceasefire like five years ago or whatever that was? Well, Saudi Arabia and Israel have never actually been at war. Um, but Saudi Arabia, they, they, have, they have not had normalized diplomatic relations, which is the first Arab state to, to have normal diplomatic relations was e- Egypt with Israel after the Yom Kippur uh-huh. War, right? So after, right, right, after all yeah. that. And the others have slowly followed suit, but here's the big one. And this is actually maybe, this might speak to a little bit of my tinfoil hat and, and perhaps more <laughs> just a little bit more generally. If Israel and Saudi Arabia normalize relations and join a same defensive pact block with the United States, which they would be in, I'm the listening. biggest loser in that is Iran. So, and who's the biggest supporter of, of Hamas? It's Iran. Iran, yeah. It's the big supporter of Hezbollah in Syria and uh, and the Lebanon. Yeah. It's Iran. So yeah. if you happen, you know, if you happen to have a, a a group of crazy people, maybe that's unfair. But <laughs> given what I saw, some of those people doing just to kill other people, I mean, yeah, yeah, that's, no, that's, no, one hundred percent. I think that's yeah. probably an understatement. Uh, absolutely. Um, yeah. If you happen, if you happen to be funding those guys, and the one thing you can't have, the one thing you don't want is the is. Israel and Saudi Arabia to sign off on normalized relations, then you probably do anything you can or, or nearly anything you can to disrupt that. And yeah. they're not. And now Israel and Saudi Arabia aren't talking because it'd be weird for them to be talking because Saudi Arabia now has to worry about its own internal concerns with, you know, it's, it's yeah. religious fundamentalist yeah. extremists. So, yeah. So, yeah. I, I mean, I think, I think you're right too. But, I mean, but I'm, saying with, I, I'm just saying with that, with all that in mind, yeah, and yeah, I realized like sure. that's like, that was a much deeper dive than I'd intended necessarily. I was, um, I was here for all of it, you're going to go, you're going to go, let's hold off. Let's wait. No, no, no. no. I, I'm glad you brought it up. I, but yeah, I, I really think, I, I really think that, um, you know, because like if you look at what happened with Russia, Ukraine, when that all started off, the reason we were, you know, you and I were talking like 
there's no like we we gotta we gotta start hiking range. We gotta start hiking range. We gotta start you know this is like back in January of last year of 2022. We're like yeah. we gotta start hiking rates. And of course, almost uh, uh, no, they're coming up on 600 days. So yeah, yeah, geez, it, dude, well, well, you and I coming up on two I, years. Yeah, you and I started talking about the you know the Fed like needing to hike rates, and we started talking about it in 2021, dude. But you know they kept they kept holding, they kept pausing, they kept pausing, they kept saying inflation was transitory. And then they were about to hike rates. They were like, they were really committed to to starting this this uh, target two two percent inflation rate. That that goal. They were starting to to really launch stuff to get there. Um, and then of course, mm-hmm. war breaks out in Ukraine, and they pause again. Right. So well, I, yeah. I think, which not like I, I don't blame them for it, but it, like looking back now, it's like, well, you shouldn't have done that. But like at the time, it was like there's so much uncertainty. Like this could really you know mess up the supply chain especially with nat gas being cut off and all these sanctions like that that does yeah certainly like it's you see, you see sanctions that, natural gas and food and oil yeah. being that like you know, oh disrupted you're like well food's already been a problem energy's already been a problem it's about to get worse let's yeah. not add another factor that could harm this yeah so that's the thing is the fed can't solve all those problems but at the same time if they added another you know, layer of difficulty to those problems, you know, and, and just in fact, just in terms of monetary policy is a little bit more stringent and it makes it tougher to, to kind of to wiggle when yeah. supply chains are, 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 are being cut off or you have to find new avenues. Of, oh yeah. And those chains are being broken. Yeah, exactly. So you know, people are hammering away at the other weak links. Yeah. So I think it's kind of what you're saying. Like with this happening, I don't see anything happening in November. No, it, like in and, two and, and, I, half and I think weeks, you're yeah. probably right there too. Yeah, November first is, is um, the rate decision is when it comes out. Yeah, but like I said, like the, right. the December, it is, it is. yeah, the December meeting, like because of CPI coming in so strong, or not so strong. I mean, like I guess strong because it's high, whatever. But CPI coming in so high, people are thinking that hold in November. A chance, slight chance, about a you know a third chance, thirty three percent chance of a of a rate hike in November or excuse me in December. So yeah. we'll have to see. But I also want to ask, how much do you think this three point seven percent? You know, we had we had two back to back prints of sub four percent. How much of that actually has to do with the Fed raising rates? Do you think? That's a weird question. Thirty percent, forty percent, maybe. I don't know. It it, it seems so. You look at if I know you look it's a weird at CPI question. print. Yeah, so here here's some of the big ones. So like food, four tenth of you know, food, two tenths of a percent. Um, food at home, one tenth of a percent, food, food away from home, right? So out at restaurants, four tenth of a percent four tenths of a percent, right? You yeah. know, so food at home is is two point is two point four percent, food away from home is six. So that, that tells me that the cost of food has it is not increasing at the same pace. So it yeah. is now more affordable to eat at home. It's it's people the cost of buying food is going down. Now that's a good thing because it means yes. that people can, people need to eat. That's that's just, yeah. just you know leave it there. Yeah. Well, I think like I want to look at it like big. If picture we look at electricity, uh-huh. also you know yeah like, yeah you and know I want to look at this big picture too because I think what the Fed has been doing like with with these interest rate hikes, it certainly has made monetary like I said earlier, it has made monetary policy a little bit more stringent. It's you know it, it's it's created a pullback in jobs at least for a little bit. You know, especially in the in the bigger tech spaces, the the large Fortune 500 companies, they've starting to scale back on on hiring, and a lot of them have even laid off people. So, yeah. you know, and I don't know if I want to blame interest rate hikes on that or blame that on interest rate hikes, but I think you know all these all these things they're starting to lead to a, a pullback in 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 price increases. I th- I think so. I I, th- 
I do think the Fed has a hand. You know, they're, they're actually, they're actually, I hate to say this, it sounds weird for me to say, but they're actually, Uh-oh. you know, achieving their goal with the resources that they have. I don't want to say that they're, you yeah. know, the ones to, to blame, to congratulate for two, you know, pretty good. If you really think about it, like these are good inflation prints compared to what we've seen in the last 20 months. Oh, yeah. So, and especially where we're, and where we're seeing yeah. those, oh, yeah. where we're seeing the, the prints happening. Yeah. Well, right? and we're the Fed, that, like, yeah, the Fed can control OPEC decisions, you know, like so. No. You know. So, yeah, energy and oil are going to drive that. It's going to happen. Yeah. Um, so, I don't know. I, I just think it's, um, you know, personally, I think. Inflation came higher than expected. Nobody likes that. I certainly don't like that. Um, believe me, I feel it at the pump every single time. It sucks. But I still think this is a really promising print. Do I want the Fed to increase rates? Not really. Um, I think if they just hold for a while and they they hold you know, deep into 2024, I think that'll be good. But I still think we're yeah. hearing a lot of economists out there talk about recession watch for 2024. You know, well, well, I'll, I'll be able to make a not make a stronger statement, but have like, I really want to see how the return, right? So we just saw this, the return of student loan payments in the US. I want to see how that affects discretionary spending or yeah. rather how it affects spending period. Because if, if if not making those payments is what was keeping the market chugging along of consumerism, yeah. well, that, that then that particular gravy train is yeah. is halted. And so now we have to see what's going to happen. And the real question then becomes is if people start defaulting on their student loan debts, that's not inherently bad. Well, it's not great. No, it's not. On the one hand, you're like, well, chances are it's the federal government. And the other response is, well, that's just taxpayers, you know, i.e. vis-a-vis you and me. Yeah. At the same time as we go like, <laughs> well, but then if it hurts the private banks, it's like, well, ha- yeah. So it, it does. In the end, it still hurts you. It's just, yeah. it's just that in the end, they can't, they can't technically take away the education you got. They can just take like... Yeah, you know, uh, yeah, they which, can just which take is entertainingly why other... student loan debt can't be discharged in bankruptcy. Yeah, Fun which fact. is uh, yeah, which is weird. But yeah, I, I think it'd be interesting to see that, you know, and like I, I'd, I'd like to see more data on on you know credit card debt on just the ag credit card debt across the country. Um, yeah, I don't think if I see next month, that's that's going to be like, all right, I I know what I think the Fed should do. You know, like I, oh, I need no. to see it like over a period of time. Like, is it going up? Is yeah. it going down? You know, because if everybody's yeah. leveraged to the tits, then something's like, got to give. Yeah, then, then at that point, I'm gonna I'll call recession in 2024. Mm-hmm. If it keeps going up, then I'll call recession in 2024. Uh, but if people are starting to take care of it, then we know. Yeah, that, if like, we start to see people. Yeah, then we. If then, we see people paying down their credit card debt in October and November, I can expect and understand a splurge in December for the holidays. For sure. But if we see it to start get paid again again in January, February, then I can go. Okay, we see what consumer numbers. We see that's doing the CPI. We see that debt's being serviced responsibly, or maybe it's not. But um, at that point, we can make a much yeah. better adjudication. I just want to see how, especially how the return of student loans affects CPI. So if we see yeah. CPI drop three, four tenths, you know, if it goes from three seven to three four, I'd be, I'd have to look. Yeah. But I'd be really hard pressed to say like definitely student loans had nothing to do with it. Yeah. And I also want to see like M&A activity too, because I certainly think from, from that level, if, if there's a lot of transactions from that level, it does trickle down to an extent. I don't think it trickles, trickles all the way down, but I think it, no. trickles down, it trickles down to an extent where, you know, it, it could drive discretionary spending. It could drive. Oh yeah. If you, um, if you were to see M&A, a lot of, a lot of M&A or, yeah, it would absolutely do so. Cause you've got, you've got people getting their buyouts. You have people yeah. maybe selling their houses cause they're moving. You have people buying houses, other right. places, right? So money, money start, there's a velocity associated with that. 
for sure. I mean, yeah. another another big one for me is how the um, is how the UAW strikes play out. Oh with, yeah. Um, well, because where did with, it go? With the automakers. Where did right, that so go? So Ford Ford's Kentucky plant. That's is what now it is. Strike. Kentucky plant. Yeah. Yeah. I um, mean, that's not going to be good for auto prices. I obviously used car because remember there was a time when used car prices was what drove cpi i mean a lot you know why i don't know um why is used car in the uh, cpi because they were here and they were running <laughs> well i, I know but cars I, were being made right remember i, I know, I know but I'm, what i what i'm saying is why was why why were used cars like why were they such a big portion and have why do they have such a big weighting in the cpi basket because how many times have you bought a used car in the last month Last six oh, months. Oh yeah, no, right? absolutely. So like you know what I mean? Like I think CPI should be more of things like you buy on a consistent basis. And, and like, dude, honestly, uh, yeah, I, they, I agree like, that certain investments probably shouldn't be part of CPI. Um, right. Rent, yes. Rent, Mortgage, absolutely. Sure. Cell phone uh, bills. Down payment but, on a house, probably not. No. Um, no, absolutely not. Yeah. But, cell uh, phone. Like, I, I mean, I get that. So that's what I'm saying, man. But uh, you know, I, I I just think this UAW strike, it's it's. It's been. I haven't been following it that closely. I feel like you've been following it really closely, but I've seen a lot of. I've, I've seen a lot of headlines on it. What exactly? What, what, so, what were the workers going after again? So they want they want better retirements for the legacy employees. They want better retirements yeah. for themselves. Obviously, they're still working. Um, they want better wages. They want better benefits, yeah. better health care. Um, well, you know, the same thing anyone would want in a in a collective bargaining position. I want better than what I've currently got, and that's and that's. Yeah, basically it. Well, if if you um, if you it, watch the interviews with the people that are are actually on the, because I've seen a couple of interviews with people that are striking and and one of the leaders of the strike, and she was basically just saying like, I love working here, I love working at Ford. I think Ford is a great company. I have nothing against Ford, but times are times are hard, right? Inflation has really gotten the better of a lot of us in the last couple of years. My pay hasn't increased to keep up with that. I've been I've been taking on another job and I don't want to because I like working at Ford. Yeah, so. What I want to do is, you know, what Henry Ford, ironically, said he wanted Ford employees to do, which is they want, you know, he wanted his employees to make enough money where they can buy Ford cars, they can go spend money so other people can buy Ford cars. So that's essentially exactly what, she, what, right. she was, what she was saying. And I, I was like, I, you know what, I can, I can stand by that. It has been a tough year. Ford, you know, Ford has had, uh, just from the looks of their 30,000 foot view of their, of their earnings, I feel like they've had a few good years, you know. They have. And so that's and that's kind of what makes it really hard is that on the one hand, you've got the major auto manufacturers coming out and they're publicly traded. So it's a matter of public record that yep. the, the, they are setting record profits. Now, yeah. they'll argue that, well, we have made record profits these last few years, but if you adjust it for inflation, expenses, yeah, and adjusting and adjusting for all these costs associated with COVID, we actually aren't making that much money at all. It's like, no, but. But you are saying here right now, you're going, we are making record profits and boy, your bonuses are being very kind to your executives. <laughs> so, yeah. so it's really hard for a company to do that and then be like, oh, we can't afford to pay you better. And it's like, yeah, you can. Yeah. I can read the balance sheet. And so it's, it's that it's that very interesting point of I forget. I was watching uh, I, I was an interview with um, out of the UK and um, there was someone who was saying, like, it's very interesting that some of the leaders now don't understand how how how, how strikes and how, how some of these free market people don't seem to understand how free markets work like they <laughs> they sit here and they go like the the employees go we want more money and the business goes well how much more and the business and the employees go we want 20 percent and they can't have 20 percent that's madness is what the, yeah. like the, and the and so the employer goes well, you can't have 20 percent and in the end of the day they might settle on like 12 you know because it's it's but it's it's for a few years after the yeah. agreement's been signed 
but the but the business leaders and the politicians that are supported by them now don't seem to understand that that's how it's supposed to work. And so instead, when they're when their employees go to go on strike and say like, "Well, if you don't, we're going to go on strike," they say, "Well, we should make it illegal for you to go on strike." And it's like, uh, what? What? That's not. Yeah, you can't. Yeah, <laughs> it's, not- it's, it's, you can't make it illegal to strike. Like, I mean, it, let's look at this way. The last time in the United States that something that a strike was declared illegal, uh, Ronald Reagan fired all the air traffic controllers. And boy, did that work well, because they clearly replaced themselves in the correct numbers. And there clearly isn't a a desperate need for air traffic controllers in this country. You know, (laughs) well, this is the thing, like this is like this is a pretty important group in our economy. I would say these these factory workers are are seriously important, not just because they make cars, but also they make money. They go out and they spend money. There's so many of them. What There's like 50,000, 57,000 or something like that. Ah. That I mean, I'm not saying those are. People are striking. I think from what I saw, it was about ten thousand or ten thousand employees are on are on board with the strike. Uh, I'm not saying all. So the the auto the auto industry employs four point just shy of four point four million people in the U.S. Yeah, but I'm saying the UAW. Oh wow, yeah, that's actually a lot. Wow, I that that blows my mind too. Yeah, so so one point seven percent of the U.S. workforce is employed in in the automotive industry in some way yeah so whether um, they're whether they're uh a car a, sale, a car salesman or car salesman car worker. maintenance technician yeah all that yeah, yeah. exactly well, so yeah very um, very important part of our supply chain i mean like you know if if all of a sudden all the cars cease to exist in the planet you know like what are these mechanics going to do well yeah if there's, um, no, if there's no new cars coming so, and no new parts being machined the salesman can't sell what isn't there the auto the the repair yeah. guys can't fix they don't have the parts. Yeah, uh, um, yeah. I mean, you know, oil. Like, what's going to happen to oil prices? Well, right? if there's no cars, they might they might actually go down. That being said, <laughs> that's not that's not might. a uh, a great way to look at it because the the new cars are more energy efficient, and so actually they would consume car versus car. They would consume less fuel and thus less oil, right, and right, get right, and, and right. get the same amount of economic utility right. done. Well, um, I, I I just bring that up just because like I I like kind of looking oh, at yeah, the no, lens. No, I, 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 yeah, I just like looking at the lens of like how important, how massive the automobile or the auto manufacturing or whatever industry is in the U.S. So if yeah. fifty-seven thousand people in the UAW are, I don't know if all fifty-seven thousand are striking. But there's there's about fifty-seven thousand people in the UAW. Um, I think sixteen thousand of them are striking. So that certainly will have a ripple effect and i mean like the the ford ceo came out or i don't know if it's ceo but one of the chairmen one of the chair people made a made a statement about the uaw thing so yeah the U- so the uaw currently has four hundred thousand active members five hundred eighty thousand retired members whoa so now what? So- now to be fair the uaw is a massive union and while it might be the union of auto workers they aren't all auto workers that's just okay so just i'm the saying- UAW- crosses borders and oh so i'm seeing this okay sorry the number i'm seeing the fifty-seven thousand dollars thing are just ford uaw members that are being impacted by the strike that's what i'm saying that's why i, yeah, that's why I kept saying that, makes, that makes much more sense yeah. that makes much more sense okay and yeah no they're okay. not they're not all striking not every ford plant is being targeted not every gm plant is being targeted these are these are targeted strikes by the union meant to disrupt the economics of the ford motor company and it's it's yeah let's look at it this way Another big group went on uh, went on strike about two weeks ago. They went on three day strike, and it was the um, Kaiser Permanente Hospital uh, Healthcare Services and Hospital. Oh, yeah, yeah, Their yeah, nurses yeah. went on strike, um, and for three days they oh, well, were on freaking, strike. And freaking. so elective surgeries were canceled, and 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 their complaints I think are valid. They said that we've been understaffed, underpaid, 
because yes. we're underpaid. Yes. Obviously, we're understaffed. It, it was it was bad before COVID. It, it did not get better. You need oh. to find the money to pay us more, find the money to hire more staff, and you need to staff more people on a shift. And yeah. Kaiser Permanente, I guess, sat down, looked at it, and went, okay, yeah. we will. Well, I'm, um, and, and I think we can all attest to the fact that healthcare workers, I mean, my sister's a nurse. I mean, she's taking it into teeth right now. Yeah. I know a bunch of other nurses. Yeah, they're they're all taking the teeth. If you hear the story, they're just like, uh, I mean, I work fifty hours a week. I make eighty thousand a year, which like it sounds not bad, but it's like eighty thousand a year nowadays with yeah, with what inflation has done to us in the last two years. Really, I don't think it's that great. Well, depending on where you live. So, so I have I, I happen to know a little bit more about nursing than I might otherwise others other professions, and I know that apparently. Um, the nursing yeah. unions or, the, or their like organizations have gotten together and they've concluded that 36 hours a week is full time. I, I can um, say behind that. I, no, no worries. Yeah. And so, and, and so that's based on the fact that generally speaking, if you work in a hospital, you work a 12 hour shift. And so what they've said is three days, three shifts is full time. Um, you know what? I can say behind that. I, I, like I have no problem. My with response that. is, you know what? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I think it's super important that we pay oh, yeah. nurses. Um, and of course, when it comes yeah. to this UAW strike. Yeah. Um, I, think, I think we all agree. We like cars. Yeah, um, you know, do, do I want car prices that, to go that, up? No, but I don't necessarily think if they, if the Ford, you know, like the Sky, uh, I don't know, what's his name? Um, well, the problem is they've like, already gone up. They, they went up, with, they've gone up with inflation. They already went they've up, up yeah, exactly. So, Look. so Bill Ford, that's his name. So Bill Ford for <laughs> yeah, Ford, Bill Ford. Ford Motors, that's the guy. He, uh, great-grandson of Henry Ford, you know, like, dude, listen to what your great-grandpa said, man. Like, Look, if, you're, <laughs> if your employees are, are out, if you're... Let's put it this way. I'm not saying out of personal preference you can't drive into the lot driving the car made by a different manufacturer, but if your decision is dictated by price, yeah. something's gone wrong. Exactly. Um, and if you look at the car price, like new, new car prices, we talked about used car prices over this episode, new car prices mm-hmm. have also shot up to the roof too. So yeah, there's oh, yeah. that. I'm with you, man. Like I, I, th- I think this is a really important sector of our economy. Um, I don't think we should just kowtow to the union. I, I think no. I think we do need to hear. Not, yeah, yeah, like I'm not. I'm not saying give the union whatever it wants, but I'm saying that for sure, for sure. I know you're not. Yeah, but I, but I am saying that when when the when you're sitting here saying we have we've made record profits, and then you go, well, we can't afford to do this, this, or this for you. It's like, like, dude, dude we we did yeah. the work that got you the record profits. Like, you can. I assure you, you can. Yeah, because, exactly. Like, it, so there's a, there's a there's a really interesting kind of like. And, and this is maybe all I have to say on like this, this whole union organization or maybe, maybe worker motivation topic. And it's kind of, I, I've worked with some people in the past and I've worked at some places in the past where they're like, man, I really hate that a lot of the employees here are putting in like the minimum possible effort. And I'm like, well, you're paying a minimum wage. I don't know what you, what, what you fucking expect. Yeah. You're getting what you're paying for. Yeah. Like, you yeah. know, it's, what'd, you, what'd you think was going to happen? They were going to altruistically work harder <laughs> than their wage. I mean, good for you for being an optimist, but I think you're just an idiot. Yeah, so I, I think it's interesting to pay attention to, and I'm glad you brought it up because I totally forgot about that. Um, but uh, we, you know, we'll have to see. We'll have to see what happens with inflation. It's so tough to say, like, because I, I think, I think people want to hear us say, like, do we think a recession's happening? And it's to be honest with you, it's just too early to call. And with yeah. this thing, like, it, it's tough to say whether or not the Fed is going to look at this and think, all right. Another interest rate hike is necessary to tame inflation. 
and the next thing you know, they overcook it. Like, it's tough for us to just determine that, you know, like the, the, yeah. the you know, the, the dominoes. I don't falling have enough chickens. Just, yeah, exactly. To decapitate and let loose in the ring. Um, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Which I assume is so, the Fed method at this point. But uh, um, there's yeah, just like let's see where they fall, and then that's our decision, right? Like they, we have a plot yeah. of all these different decisions we can make, and then let's just let them let the chickens run loose. And then where do they uh, bleed the most over here? Okay. Then, gosh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, honestly, that would not surprise me whatsoever. But uh, yeah, one last thing I want to talk about too. Um, Kevin McCarthy is not. Uh, you know, we've had nope. we've, we, we've had a, a a speakerless house for what twelve days or something like that now. Not, uh, not speakerless. See, there's there's a speaker pro tem who, in theory, can conduct business. Um, sure. Why he chooses not to. Well, well so, he'll argue I'm not elected, but yeah, yeah, no, we have we have no elected speaker of the house, right? Uh, and it looks like the front runner of the um, you know the the, the new speakership position of is the be, of the majority yeah. Yeah, is, is Jim Jordan, right? Is that yeah, what I'm saying? That's what I'm saying. Um, I've seen he's probably going to get so, the nod. I've seen that Steve Scalise was was torpedoed. Yeah, he he seems well, unlikely. You know, it's weird because I used to like Jim Jordan, and the reason I used to like Jim Jordan was because, in case you guys didn't know. This guy was a back-to-back national champ in wrestling. He wrestled at University of of Wisconsin, which is not our favorite school in the world because nope. we went to Nebraska. We're both Nebraska people. But go Big he Red. did go Big Red all the way. Screw the Badgers. But he did win the oh, national yeah. title in wrestling uh, twice at Wisconsin. That's how I know who he is. Um, <laughs> that's literally also, how I know. You know, and here's my thing. I have I have huge respect for wrestlers. I think there's something wrong with all of them. There is there's something massively wrong with all of them because I live some with of the three- nicest people I've ever. I, I love. I, I really like these guys, but they're not quite right in the head. I've lived there's to three. I lived to three of them in Nebraska, dude. Like they're right, they're did. all <laughs> they're all they're all a little crazy. But that like I mean they they are the ones. Yeah, they're all a little bit crazy. But I, I, it's weird because I I did actually used to like Jim Jordan. I like early college days. I'd like Jim Jordan. Yeah. But you know, I just feel like the political <sighs> landscape is it, it's made it, it's made it really tough for me to like anybody right now, um, including Jim that's, Jordan. Yeah, that's um, that's pretty fair. So it's too polarized, and it's it's too polarized, and there's not enough of a majority. Yeah, exactly. So it's one of those things where it's like, and, and apparently both sides, both sides decided that it is better that there is that there is nothing to be said for being the loyal opposition, exactly. for letting business go on as usual, but opposing. On, on, you know, in legitimate ways and on legitimate grounds, but allowing the government to function, understanding yeah. that compromise is necessary and the government must function. And so instead, they've decided both sides, again, both sides, have decided that it is better to govern despite the other and then the, the minority. Yeah. And, I'll, and I'll say this for, well, for the Democrats with voting McCarthy out, is that when you become the party of no, something like that, it's, it's bad pool, it's weak politics. Like, I have to question the Democrats and go like, okay, you voted almost to a man to remove him from office. What was going to come next? Like, if the Republican, now what what would I tell my, what would I tell my, if I was Hakeem Jeffries and I ran the Democratic caucus, I'd say, look, vote your conscience. What I'll say is this. If yeah. I know that I really that, that I can that I can stay in, I'm probably going to go to Kevin and say, "Hey, I can get about 20 Democrats that, that are in safe enough seats that they can vote to keep you in place. What are you going to give me for it?" And yeah. if he says nothing, I'd be like, "Well, <laughs> you'd be out on your ass then." Yeah, no, um, but, the, but that's politics but, 101. Like it's it's like oh, I, I scratch your back. C- come on, like and yeah. This is the thing. There was a time, and I don't know if it's like this still. But there was a time, and I remember this is a, I heard this from a guy that I don't like, but it was, so Ben Sass. Has have the back, right? Ben Sass, former Nebraska senator. The reason why I listened Current to him. president of the University of Florida. Yeah, fun, fun <laughs> fact. Uh, but the reason why I listened to him talk was because he was a senator for Nebraska. But he basically said, after our debate on the Senate floor, we don't leave the room and 
we're not uncivil with each other. We we all see each other after like when we're outside the room, no, no matter of where we stand politically, we all see each other and go, "Hey, how's your family? How are the kids?" How like we're all civil, yeah. you know. But when when they're debating politics, they're freaking going at each other's throats, and I you know, and I, I feel like the way the media has painted the picture of pol of politicians on Capitol Hill. Is, oh yeah, they, they all hate each other. You know. Oh, which, and, and, and- and you're absolutely right. Like the second that the cameras aren't on them, or they think the cameras aren't on them, they're very, in many cases, very civil with each other. Yes, they're yeah, not grandstanding I, for their for their moment on TV. Exactly. Yeah. No, we used but, to. Okay, yeah. But we used to have um, politicians that would work across the aisle. We they used to, and they used to be more than happy to co-sponsor bills. Oh, to, for sure. Um, yeah. To, to because there are, there are bipartisan issues, believe it or not, you know, yeah. so whatever, but turns out, um, yeah, infrastructure needs to be done. Yeah. But, uh, um, but yeah, I just wanted to bring yeah, up Jim no. Jordan. I, I think, you know, he's a choice, uh, you know, when you think about the face, we talked about this last week, right? Kevin yeah. McCarthy is certainly not the face of the GOP. Jim Jordan is one of the faces of the GOP. He's got the political yeah, weight behind him. Yeah, he's certainly closer. Yeah, he's, he's done, he's, he's done his I, time. Dude, he's paid I mean, some of his dues. I think I don't dude. know that I want the job. I think I, I think in some ways that so so I, I've been reading quite a bit about. I, I just started a new book. Yeah. But before that, I was reading about the um, the Romanovs, the last of the Romanovs. Yeah. Um. So oh, Tsar yeah. Nicholas and um and his family and you know when Nicholas abdicated because he was being pushed out and told essentially if you don't abdicate, you'll be killed. Uh, it turns yeah. out he got killed anyway. But <laughs> he abdicated, and they said, "Well, abdicate in favor of your son." And he said, "My son has hemophilia." No. Um, so he abdicated in favor of his brother. His brother was the, was the emperor and czar for about a week. It, it wasn't very long at all before he went, actually, Russia's a shit show. I don't want it either. And he left the country. Yeah. He just said, I'm done. I'm not, I'm not doing this. Yeah. And so, yeah, so it's, it's that very, it's, if, I, I don't know that if I was Jim Jordan, I'd want the job. But yeah. to be fair, if he doesn't want it, he's passed Aristotle's first test for being a leader, which is to say you shouldn't want to be leader. Yeah, which I, I, I you not, know, still, I don't, um, Plato. Yeah, yeah, there we go. But I don't know if that, like, I don't know if that applies to Jim Jordan. Like if, you know, if he should be leader. Um, I also think like, yeah, dude, you want a national title for wrestling twice. Like, you know how hardest to do that? Like the, the weight cutting and the, like the, it takes an incredible amount of discipline to do that. Now, I'm not saying he still has that kind of discipline to this day, but I'm just like, Man, like he has that background, you know. At one point, I thought he was one of the more moderate Republicans until Donald Trump. But I, you know, if you think of the face of the GOP now, you know, obviously number one is Donald Trump. If you yeah. go down the list, I don't think you can name five people in the GOP without naming Jim Jordan. So yeah, he's certainly in the House. He's certainly one of the main faces. And so, yeah. so that's what I'm saying. Um, like, I, I think. If Jim Jordan was speaker, like would he lose his speakership half a year into his tenure? No, like no way. I think well, I think he, I think he holds it for a long time. Yeah. Now the question and, here here's for me: Is he the presumptive nominee? Yes. Is he probably going to get it? Yes. Yes. Is he going to have to make some horrible concessions to his own side to get yes. there? Yeah. Would it shock me if, at the same time as he was making those concessions to get elected, he made? There, there is a distinct possibility that instead of making concessions to the three or four Republicans he needs, that he might turn around, sacrifice 20 or 30 Republican votes, turn around and go to some moderate Democrats and go, hey, look, this is yeah. what we've got to do because this votes next week. And three weeks after that, we're back at government shutdown and we need to actually get shit done. I right. don't think that will have escaped him, uh, his notice that like the yeah. longer this process takes to get in office, the less time he has to deal with that 
Yeah. And this is another thing I'll say about Jim Jordan. Like one of the things I do like about him, um, like like he, he is a staunch Republican if you just look at his stances. But I yeah. do like I do like the antitrust thing that that, that he's a big proponent. Like he, I, I think he's he, he's a big criticism of, of big tech. Do I want him to crater big tech? No. But I do think that big tech has way too much like, they have way too much invested into lobbying and and yeah and, and, and voting influence I mean, like, and I, so, like, I, so I, I do i do appreciate like his stance on that but yeah who, who knows man like i just i just want to bring it up because kevin mccarthy's gone now what should we expect yeah. now that Car- now that kevin mccarthy's gone i mean you know and what it's, i'll say is this until there's a new speaker of the house i would say don't expect a whole lot of legislation and i if any and i would say that as we get closer sure. and closer to November, if there is no speaker, then I would say that at that point, start expecting markets to crater. Start expecting that, that treasury yield right. to, oh, to pop. Yeah, the yields. Um, <laughs> the tenure is for sure going to go above five. And then from there, we can make another bet. Yeah. Is it going to stay above five? <laughs> um, if, if, yeah. if it happens. If it happens. You right? know, and, and, that's the, and, that's the big, and that's the big question. Because it's like, okay, well, if they... The, the well, real question, I mean, this, this would be good this for Bill what, Ackman. He's tr- he's short a bunch of U.S. Treasuries, so that, that'd be yeah. good for him. As a, from a, from a purely economic perspective, the longer the Republicans can't put a leader in place, the less convinced I am as an investor or as a member of the economy yep. that they can govern. Right? If you can't even get yeah, yourself in, a, then, if you can't even pick the team captain, I'm not sure your kickball team is going to be able to play that oh, well. Yeah. And yeah, sure. and I'm not saying in any way, shape, or form the Democrats could do any better because I think they've consistently proven they can't or they won't either <laughs> well, way take your pick this, take this, your pick this is the nature um, of the of the hill but uh, all i can tell you for sure is that there is a lot of uncertainty out there but the one big certainty i can guarantee is if you get a drunkenomics hoodie you won't be cold this winter yes you won't be cold this winter and you're gonna look damn good in that you're doing hoodie. exactly absolutely so my encouragement to you is to please check out drunkonomics.myspreadshop.com. You can get yourself a nice hoodie, a nice long sleeve shirt, a nice tank top if it's still really warm in your area, such as so if you're my down area. Under, yeah, if you're if you're if you're heading if you're down in the southern hemisphere, you're heading in the summer. <laughs> yeah, um, dude. Lucky you. If you're in Perth, Australia, dude, Tim. <laughs> yeah, you know. By the way, great hearing. Yeah, don't from be afraid to get a singlet. And um, yeah, but yeah, dude. Check us out, man. And seriously, uh, anything there is is greatly appreciated. From there, if you also want to leave us a review, yeah, anything, any, any review is awesome. So yeah, just either tell us, either tell us in a yeah any of our social medias, tell us in the Discord. That's always fun. But on top of that, if you want to write us a review on whatever on podcast Spotify, platform Apple, you use, whatever, yeah, that helps us. That helps other people find us. It helps us. Um, yeah, I don't know. Look cool. Helps validate me at night. Or or it helps us like know what we need to do better like i mean yeah. i know i know our i know our episodes i know our presentations aren't perfect and we, were, we are drinking heavily but uh yeah like we want to know what we like what we need to be better at so i mean leave us a review tell us where to where we can improve we're more than happy to hear from you guys whether it's constructive uh whether it's critical whether it's you know just praise like chris chossel um seriously um or just from you. telling us yeah we're just calling us out and saying hey yeah exactly stop talking so, over each other because that's happened yeah, I know. Seriously, that, that and that was helpful. That was very helpful, and I really appreciate you you mentioning that because uh, we're st- we're still working on it. We still talk over each other. We are. We're, we're, we're working on it. But yeah, seriously, from there, if you do feel so kind as to leave a tip in the tip jar, you can find that at Patreon.com/slash/Economics. It's P-A-T-R-E-O.com/slash/Economics. We're both partners, right trade. But this will help us uh, keep the sweet vermouth cold. It'll help us. Uh, 
get that uh, nice little Japanese barrel aged. Japanese barrel American barrel? Yeah, whatever, man. Gosh, I'm like, I have like that much left. There's like none left in here. You needed to run on that. I like the S&P 500 on that bottle. <laughs> but yeah, no, um, well, if not that, then be like, uh, be like Joe Burrow, play chestnut checkers, be like, be like anyone um, when you're when you're out in the grocery store or whenever you're when you are shopping for what you're shopping for. Um, don't brag, just say. And, always uh, fill and kill. Oh, absolutely. Got a fill and kill. Yeah. What's that? What's that and thing? Then, uh, what's the thing we always try to say? The oh, it, this is super important and critical. But my encouragement yeah. to you is to please always stay drunkenomical. Ah, oh, cheers. Cheers, my friend.